0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from federal conservative agriculture critic John Barlow. Up first in today's country comment, I'll chat with John Hurd, crop nutrition specialist with Manitoba Agriculture, about spring fertilizer decisions. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Fertilizer decisions could be difficult this spring, given flooding and concerns with availability. John Hurd is a crop nutrition specialist with Manitoba Agriculture.
1: I guess the one thing, Corey, is I'm I'm glad that it's been a long winter for one account, and that is there's been lots of opportunity for farmers to meet with their agronomists and uh, do a bunch of their planning as far as fertility-wise. And Uh, although fertilizer prices are high now, the great thing is that there was a lot of fall soil sampling done, and I think the signal was there that a a good portion of uh, fertilizer was either purchased in the fall or some taken delivery of. So a lot of those plans are already in place and and implemented. Uh, But you're right, this uh, water, I don't have water sitting in a lot of our fields here yet, but as the milk goes on, that does uh, uh, lead one to question things a little bit. Uh, our fertility plans are based on the fall soil test. And the nitrogen soil test is a snapshot of how much nitrate nitrogen is in the soil that day. And, but that can change. Uh, you know, some people, they had out-of-control uh, uh, volunteer regrowth or cover crops, and they took up nitrogen And some of them are not very good at giving it back to next year's crops. So there may be a bit of a discount there. But the other thing is the standing water you're talking about. If we have standing water, if we have flooding conditions in in low-lying areas, those tend to uh, deplete nitrate, nitrogen in the soil. And, uh, you know, our, our made in Manitoba thumb rule on this is once the soils. Uh, Went up to five degrees, it's two to four pounds of nitrogen a day we can lose if we have standing water in those fields. So if a farmer has done planning and and planned or banked on all that nitrogen to be available, uh, we've suggested, you know, it may uh, be prudent to do some, you know, directed spring sampling uh, in late April in some of those spots just to confirm that that nitrogen is still there and in place.
0: I guess for farmers who, are, who have yet to, to apply fertilizer, what's important for them as they uh, you know, plan ahead here?
1: To treat it with respect. Uh, at fertilizer prices what they are now. Uh, efficiency, and, and we mean nutrient efficiency, not necessarily labor or equipment efficiency, but nutrient efficiency is paramount to get the most benefit uh, per dollar worth of fertilizer. For that, uh, you know, farmers know this, that, you know, banded fertilizer is more efficient. Some farmers may be looking at uh, some split applications in order to stretch the efficiency of, of nutrients. So uh, efficiency is kind of the, the the name of the game here right now. Uh, for some, it may be looking at using some enhanced efficiency fertilizers, but most of them are, are, are protection against uh, excessive wet conditions, and and I'm not saying we're excessive wet yet. Uh, I look at what's going on right now, Corey, as uh, long overdue soil recharge. So uh, there, there there are things that farmers could be looking at to again you know stretch the efficiency of their their fertilizer.
0: Do you expect uh, farmers might uh, change their seeding seeding plans? I guess just based on on fertilizer availability or, or conditions or.
1: Uh, I, I hope so. I anticipate that farmers, through their soil testing, if they were in the droughted area... Now, you're sitting in Altona, You had some nice crops this past year because of timely rainfalls. But as we move uh, in the Red River Valley, parts of it were quite droughty. With the high nitrogen carryover there, uh, farmers hopefully are have already adjusted their cropping plans to put nitrogen-hungry crops on those fields. You know, their canola, wheat... Uh, corn are targeted based on nitrogen levels. So I, I think some of that targeting has already been uh, put in place.
0: All right. Um, any Anything else to mention here, John, before we go? or uh,
1: Don't let seed go on the ground without fer- phosphorus fertilizer. You know, on cool soils, uh, phosphorus uptake is really important, and it's slow when soils are cold. So if we get into early seeding or, on cool soils, We need to have some starter phosphorus. And uh, with high prices of phosphorus, those farmers, fortunate enough to have good to high testing soils, may get away with starter rates only this year based on having good soil testing. Uh, But my reminder is that, of course, we can only draw from the bank or the soil reserves to a certain extent, and they better plan in when, when fertilizer availability and prices are more reasonable to... Uh, restock the shelves with phosphorus.
0: That was John Hurd with Manitoba Agriculture talking to us here today about spring fertilizer. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. Last year's drought has impacted rail movement over the winter. David Chenovic is assistant vice president of grain for CN Rail.
2: On the Canadian grain demand front, certainly Really from the, from the middle of November forward, I guess really December forward, we've seen demand for CN supplied hoppers for Western Canadian grain movement running at 40 to 50 percent of what it was the year previous. You go from the largest crop on record you know to a one in 20 year drought uh, drought event. that's going to have a big impact on, on, uh, on demand. We expect that demand's going to be light as we go forward here, given the, the uh, high percentage of grain that's already been moved out of the prairies.
0: Fertilizer decisions could be difficult this spring, given flooding and concerns with availability. John Hurd is with Manitoba Agriculture.
1: Our made to Manitoba thumb rule on this is once the soil's uh, wound up to 5 degrees, it's 2 to 4 pounds of nitrogen a day we can lose if we have standing water in those fields. If a farmer has done planning, planned or banked on all that nitrogen to be available, we've suggested, you know, it may be prudent to do some, you know, directed spring sampling in late April in some of those spots just to confirm that that nitrogen is still there.
0: And yesterday, Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food Marie-Claude Bibo launched a new phase of the Local Food Infrastructure Fund with an investment of up to $20 million. The funding, available over the next two years, will support community-based and not-for-profit organizations in their efforts to create long-term solutions to address food security challenges. This new phase of the Local Food Infrastructure Fund has been tailored to meet the needs of Indigenous, Northern and remote communities. That was a look at today's Farm News. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Egg Wire for Thursday, March 24th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from federal conservative agriculture critic John Barlow. Glenda Lee-Allen Vossler caught up to the Conservative Shadow Minister for Agriculture, Agri-Food and Food Security, John Barlow, to talk about CP and the Teamsters Union moving to binding arbitration and his recent visit to Prince Edward Island. CP
3: and the Teamsters Canada Rail Conference have reached an agreement to enter into binding arbitration, ending the work stoppage. Over the last few days there's been a lot of call from the ag sector from industry in general that overall long term we need to see the railways declared an essential service your thoughts here
4: uh, when you have you know a duopoly in our country where we are so reliant um, on them to 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 be such an integral part of our supply chain and right now we have these these uh, international trucking mandates they're already talking about interprovincial trucking mandates so again we're our supply chain is at such a weakened position um you know it, it simply can't take another hit it just simply cannot um so absolutely we have to find a, a long-term solution because this is the second time in a few years that we've we've gone through this you know CN previously now CP um you know th- this just cannot be a regular occurrence where uh canada's supply chain and our economy is is held hostage by uh, by these t- types of things.
3: Now, John, I want to take you back to last week, and you spent some time in PEI talking with producers there about the potato wart issue.
4: You know, a lot of people are asking, you know, why, why does it a Member of Parliament from Alberta... Uh, and the Ag Critic go to to PEI when uh, the Minister uh, has not set foot on the island. Uh, The four Liberal MPs in PEI have not said a single word in the House of Commons on on this crisis. And and my answer to that is, I believe that the Prince Edward Island's uh, potato industry is worth saving. Uh, So I spent a few days out there uh, over this past week, you know, meeting with uh, producers. Uh, You know, these are generational farms that have worked extremely hard to to build up this industry. And to see decisions made by the Liberal government and CFIA uh, that is, for all intents and purposes, the seed industry is in jeopardy to ever... um, be re, you know, rejuvenated in PEI as a result of this. Um, but now we're at a critical time. We've lost last year's uh, harvest, which was a bumper crop. Now they have to make a decision within the next few days on what they're going to plant for this year. And they honestly don't know where they are. And all they're looking for is a definitive, uh, some sort of direction from the government. Will this self-imposed ban, the, the, the ministerial uh, directive and the suspension, will they be lifted? Will they be able to plant? Will we be... Uh, Strong in our defense of of the Canadian industry against uh, the Americans, and um, you know that that's what we're asking for.
3: How big an issue is this
4: well it's it employs uh, you know more than five thousand people in, in Prince Edward Island last year's crop was valued at uh, you know close to a hundred million dollars. Uh, this is a, a billion-dollar industry for Prince Edward Island, and you know, let's let's put that into perspective. Uh, Prince Edward Island is 150,000 people. It, its entire economy is built on really three pillars: fisheries, tourism, and potatoes. When you um, weaken one of those legs, it's very difficult for that province to to stay on its feet. And this is such an integral part of their their economy. Uh, to to lose that is is devastating. And it's not just the potato farmers. Um, you know, this means that the, the family restaurant, the gas station, the electrician, the plumber, uh, you know, the mechanic. All, all of these people will be feeling uh, the ramifications of, of a very weakened uh, potato industry in PEI that, that never had to happen. Never had to happen. We've had very strong surveillance protocols in PEI for potato wart. Two potatoes were found out of, you know hundreds of millions of pounds of potatoes and uh, this was a knee-jerk reaction by CFIA and the Minister of Agriculture. Uh, We need to um, correct that mistake, lift the suspension, uh, remove the ministerial order on on PEI uh, seed and fresh potato exports. And if the Americans push back, then we need to be just as aggressive and say, you know, start the process of a um, dispute resolution uh, mechanisms as part of the free trade agreement or the WTO or threaten uh, reciprocal sanctions. There are dozens of states in the United States that have um, quarantinable pests in their potatoes and yet we are still importing those potatoes into Canada and we are holding our own, you know, holding our own potatoes at a much higher standard. Uh, this is nonsensical and uh, again this needs to be addressed if we have any hope of, of saving next year's crop.
3: That's John Barlow, the Conservative Shadow Minister for Agriculture, Agri-Food and Food Security. For Golden West, I'm Glendale Allen-Bossler.
0: That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Knut. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. In-person public engagement sessions for the Plum Murray Watershed are scheduled to take place as follows, with all sessions beginning at 6.30pm. There's a meeting tonight at the RMF of Stanley office, another one March 29th at the St. Jean Community Hall, and March 31st at the Plum Coulee Community Hall. The Royal Manitoba Winter Fair is being held March 28th to April 2nd at Brandon's Keystone Centre. And the annual general meeting for Manitoba Pork is planned for April 6th at the Fairmont Winnipeg. You can register on the Manitoba Pork website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon. This week, Protein Industries Canada announced an investment into a project between Oat Canada and Roquette. The $4.1 million project will see the development of novel oat ingredients and nutritionally superior oat-based food and beverage products. Roquette will develop Canada's first oat protein ingredient through the project. Oat Canada will test the ingredient in its current line of products, as well as in several new products. Jamari Ambersley is one of the co-founders of Oat Canada.
5: We are very excited to be kicking off this project in partnership, which is almost a year in the making. Uh, Oat Canada is committed to creating innovative oat protein-based products and that is why collaborating with world-class leaders, such as Riquette is very important to us. Oat Canada is still very much a young company that was only co-founded or founded in 2020. Uh, we have not yet reached two years, as Leslie mentioned, but we have seen so many milestones and achievements uh, to date. We saw immediate success introducing the first oat protein-based oat milk, uh, which can be found now in Costco, Loblaws, and Student Whole Foods. As, as sustainability and environmental concern continue to shift consumer preferences to plant-based alternative um, products, innovation is key and necessary to deliver equivalent, if not better, nutritional value as animal-based products. As we at Old Canada continue to expand um, our product offerings, we are committed to collaborating with partners and customers to produce products that give people the freedom to choose plant-based products without sacrificing nutrition, functionality, or taste. I would like to thank Parliament Secretary Andy Fillmore um, for the kind words that he shared about O Canada today. And I'd also like to thank the Government of Canada for continuing to invest in Protein Industries Canada supercluster, which in turn provides companies like O Canada and Riquette the opportunity to expand in both innovation, research, and development, which ultimately benefits the economy, the value chain, and the overall industry as a whole. I would also like to thank our retail partners and distributors and institutional partners, will be supporting the delivery of the products that will be the outcome of this product of this project.
0: That was Jamari Ambersley, a co-founder with Oat Canada. Michelle Finley is communications and public affairs manager at Roquette.
6: So today is certainly an exciting day, not only because we're celebrating Canada's first plant-based foods week, but because coming together to announce this unique project allows us to highlight the collaborative relationships that are needed to launch these new healthy plant-based foods to market in Canada and around the globe. I was thinking about today's announcement and it occurred to me that today's uh, event is really similar to cooking with your favorite plant-based foods. Uh, It's like a recipe. In your mixing bowl, you have to combine the top quality Canadian grown oats with a generous scoop of support from Protein Industries Canada. Then you add in some Roquette, the global leader in plant-based ingredients, and you stir with the creativity and drive from new food creators like Jamari and Eloise at Oat Canada. The result is a new, sustainable, and healthy way to enjoy plant-based foods. Consumers are driving this demand for more variety, taste, and accessibility in the plant-based foods they purchase, and Roquette is excited to be part of that. We excel at innovation and research on plant-based ingredients. It's really at the heart of our work with food innovators like Oat Canada. And to close things off, I'd like to say thank you again to Protein Industries Canada for this opportunity today. We really look forward to continuing to work with Oat Canada and wish everyone joining us today a happy National Plant-Based Foods Week.
0: That was Michelle Finley, Communications and Public Affairs Manager with Roquette. This week, Protein Industries Canada announced an investment into a project between Oat Canada and Roquette. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Farmers planning to apply fertilizer this spring will have some difficult decisions to make given spring flooding and concerns with availability. John Hurd with Manitoba Agriculture had this advice.
1: Treat it with respect fertilizer prices what they are now efficiency and we mean nutrient efficiency not necessarily labor or equipment efficiency but nutrient efficiency is paramount to get the most benefit uh, per dollar worth of fertilizer for that farmers know this that you know banded fertilizer is more efficient some farmers may be looking at uh, some split applications in order to stretch the efficiency of of nutrients so uh, efficiency is kind of the, the the name of the game here right now
0: and it was a tough winter in terms of grain movement for canada's railways david chenovic assistant vice president of grain for cn rail talked about the difficult conditions
2: through the winter it really started around christmas and didn't really let up but of course prior to that we had the uh, three weeks where the main line between vancouver and kamloops was out of action and uh, Having three weeks not being able to utilize that vital artery created a huge accumulation of traffic, of course, and then the winter weather that we had did not help our cause. So at the same time, coming out of that now, going into the third week of March, we're basically current to demand, which is uh, from from the perspective of grain movement, which is positive to see.
0: He expects to see issues with flooding as the spring melt continues, something CN will be monitoring. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program.